Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin' Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. We are on live and beyond the FM dial at RadioNorthland.org and we are part of that app, that free app you can get called TuneIn. You can tune in to us there. If you are not listening to us live and in the moment, oh, don't fret because you know what? We've got a whole slew of uh, old episodes. We'll even have this episode up at our website, RadioNorthland.org slash Rasslin' Memories Then and Now. I'm Glenn Broggett, along with my main man with the main plan down there and deep in the heart of Texas in the mobile studio, uh, where I hope his temps are a little more reasonable here at the time of this recording, because my Lord, I am looking at snow in the middle of April and making me too happy. But again, wrestling memories always kind of kind of balances the whole thing out. Down to Texas, we go to introduce my co-host partner in crime, the grizzled vet himself, Mr. Michael McCurdy. Mike, how are you doing down there, my friend? I'm doing great, man. I got blue sky and chirping birds and green grass and about 70 degrees out today. So I'm doing wonderful. I don't have no snow. It's not cold. No thunderstorms. We're good to go. Man, you got it good down here. See, we got to worry about the snow. And then once that snow goes away, we got to worry about the flooding situation. So Mother Nature just, I don't know, Old Man Winter and Mother Nature had something against us again this year. Well, you know, man, you know, where you, I think you're used to it by now, you, you know, born and raised there and all that. So you're probably used to the snow. I would not want to be there. I'm not, I'm, I don't like the cold. I don't well, mind the cold, but you guys get too cold. You, you guys get into that negative. I don't do that. Negative is not a temperature. <laughs> We're literally half frozen now uh, up here at Northwestern Minnesota, but down in the Twin Cities, uh, oh man, poor George Shire. He, he, I think he's he's had to definitely uh, let me up. I've had enough thing a couple of times during winter. We just uh, have to send our sympathy and our love to George uh, down there. He's managing through another winter storm. Oh, definitely, man. Much love for George and all that. But man, you know, you just got back. You were, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. You were kind of in my old stomping grounds, man. Had a little trip. Got to go up to the Pacific Northwest, Portland, and Seattle, Washington, all that. Glad to have you back, though, man. I missed you. Oh. I'm glad you had a good time, man. Like we were talking before the show, you know, food lovers paradise. Food lovers paradise in the Portland area and all that, so... Well, you know what, Mike? I, it seemed like when I got a, uh, you know, landed in Portland, I felt like I added two pounds just looking at the selection in the in the flipping airport, and then I get out to see all of this wonderful stuff, this wonderful country up there in the Pacific Northwest, the beautiful trees, the hills, the mountains, and the food, the food trucks, the restaurants, the voodoo donuts. Oh man, it was between that and Seattle. I ate very well, and I happened to eat at the oldest Chinese restaurant in Seattle. Of all places, it was right uh, a block away from this pinball museum. It was an interactive arcade that we went to in Chinatown, and it was one of the most the best Chinese meals I've ever had, man. I've never I've never heard of the I've been to Seattle like once. I've never heard of the oldest Chinese restaurant though. But if I ever get a chance to go back and visit, I might have to check it out. I am a little jealous about the pinball museum though. I saw the Elton John pinball machine. Oh yeah, and I'm gonna put you really, up. You really got to play the pinball wizard. That bothered me. <laughs> we got uh, the Grizzle Vet, Michael McCurdy, and we have our guest. He's got a fantastic book uh, out uh, that just just got its release here not too long ago. It's called Final Bell. He's written some good stuff uh, in the past. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He w- has a great wrestling column uh, at the Post and Courier in Charleston. You can check it out online as well. We'll let him give us the lowdown on what's been going on for a man who retired a couple of years ago. He's still rather active, and there's still a lot of pep in his step and a 
a lot of little things he likes to taste because we've got one fellow restaurant appreciator out there and a pro wrestling fan nonetheless. Mr. Mike Mooneyham, welcome to the Wrestling Memories Then and Now. Welcome back to the program, my friend, to not only promote Final Bell, but to, you know, we're talking about food. You can't help but get a little hungry, right? Oh, I was about to say, man, you guys are making me real hungry. We may we may have to cut this interview short. Keep talking about food. Do you have the Grubhub app? <laughs> I think I am the Grubhub app. <laughs> That's what I like about you, man. Not only uh, you you're such a fan and such and you've written so many great pieces about pro wrestling through the years. Uh, you know, you follow uh, people who follow you on Facebook. Every once in a while, we they show you. You happen to just take a picture of where you're eating. It doesn't matter if it's the the greatest, yeah. the middle, and down below. You have such nice little pictures of the food that you're about to enjoy, man. You could even make a fast food chain seem like a five star review. Know. My God, my friend. Oh man. Oh, yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, I've been retired three years now, believe it or not. Time flies when you're having fun. But, uh, yeah, I retired a little more than three years ago, even though I still write for my newspaper, The Post and Courier. Uh, my Sunday column uh, will be 30 years old next month. And, uh, boy, that's, that's, that, I would say that's a, that's a good long run, you know, by anybody's standards. Well, yeah, for a column itself, it doesn't matter who it is. I mean, good Lord. I mean, the longevity you have been able to have. And that, that is also in part to you're in such a great part of the country that, that has such an appreciation for pro wrestling, brother. I mean, to be able to get on it for one or two years is a wonderful thing alone. But the way you've expanded this and still to this day have such a connection uh, with this article and with fans now outside of uh, just the general circulation area for the paper in the age of social media and stuff, you, you've been able to really really expand your brand and expand people's awareness of what you have been able to put out and still continue to put out with, with your wrestling articles. Yeah. And this, this is a great area of the country, you know, not too far from Charlotte, which was, uh, for years, the headquarters of Crockett promotions. And, you know, we've been blessed to have such great talent come through here, uh, back in the territory days. I started, I started watching pro wrestling in the, um, in the, in the 60s, 1964 was my first show, and I was immediately hooked from that moment and, uh, you know, did the writing for magazines and start my own fan club, and, and really, um, that's what got me, that's what really sparked my interest in journalism when I was a kid, um, and eventually, you know, landed me in, in the newspaper business, which uh, I worked at this newspaper uh, in Charleston for nearly 40 years. Um, and that's another long run, but you know, it's been, it's, it's just been great. Uh, when I look back and I think how I've always been a fan of pro wrestling and it really, uh, led to my livelihood and me writing the column and, um, uh, being a sports writer and, and now writing books. So it, it's come full circle and it's, it's just been such a great journey for me. And, you know, the thing is, too, you're a great outlet to, for fans of, uh, you know, who are following today's product who may have come from this, this current generation. You're kind of a good link to, to the past as well because the way you covered pro wrestling was not unlike the way you would cover a, a, a sport that was thriving or, or, or NASCAR in its day because of just how many, you know, thanks to the territory circuit and, and definitely Jim Crockett territory, there were shows going on all the time. There was a, it wasn't just a, a monthly or a bi-monthly or even a year 
yearly appearance by the World Wrestling Entertainment Group back in the day, man. The true importance of those territories, man. It, it is something. It's nice to have you know writers and historians like yourself that are able to connect even with the younger people of today who might not understand or maybe just see that just as a little something that's in the past. I mean, you're 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 really kind of helping to connect those generations too uh, by by way of uh, just the knowledge that you have had and the way you've shared it through the years. Yeah, and you know, there's really there's no substitute for institutional knowledge, and and as a lot of the uh, guys get older in the wrestling business as well, um, you know, the the current generation is is not going to be they're not going to have that link anymore, and it's sad because I so appreciated the business when I when I started back in the '60s and the '70s, yeah. It, it was something that you just, it's hard to describe to fans today, just how, how great it was. And I know uh, nothing against the current brand of wrestling or the fans who follow it. But to me, I, I really think they're missing something, you know. And I'm so glad I grew up when I did and was able to see the, the wrestling that I did and all of the, the people in the business. Um, it, it certainly evolved, like all sports. You know, wrestling has evolved, and I think probably a much greater rate than than other traditional sports. But um, if you were around in those days, boy, what a what a joy it was to to see some of these greats come through, like Luthez and Harley Race and Dory Funk and Jack Briscoe. I mean, it was for me for me those really were the glory years. Um, I still follow the, of course, I follow the product and uh, still cover the shows, but, you know, I'm, I'm an old school guy at heart and I, I really miss those days. And it was really one of the, um, one of the reasons I, I wrote the, my latest book, Final Bell, because I, I never want these people to be forgotten. Um, one of the opening quotes in the book is, as long as one is remembered with love and reverence, they are truly never gone. And, and I, I sincerely believe that. Mm-hmm. And, and reading, uh, you know, just taking some notes uh, for our interview today, uh, I, I was checking out some of the stuff about the, the book that has been put out press-wise. And one of the guys, and one of the, the main reasons uh, that kind of helped inspire, I guess, uh, this, this book and, and even your writing was a professional wrestler uh, from that golden era, man. When we talk about Mr. Wrestling, Tim Woods, a lot of us, I mean, I mean, man, I, I'll admit, I'm a, I'm a 43-year-old, almost 43-year-old man. A lot of the stuff I, I was able to see it with Tim Woods was through the older, older after magazines and, and the Western magazines uh, and stuff like that. And then, you know, seeing some of the stuff on YouTube through the years here and there. But, I mean, to be uh, the, the, what I've heard through the years from other people and people who have worked with him, the fans who followed him, this was uh, one hell of a talent, but one hell of an inspiration on you. Tell us where Tim Woods, Mr. Wrestling, uh, fits in this story as uh, the evolution of this book kind of came together. Yeah, well, well, Tim and I were good friends. And, uh, yeah, Tim, uh, no one epitomizes sport more than Tim. I mean, uh, that name that he took, Mr. Wrestling Under the Mask, it it was really, it it fit him to a T. And and Tim and I would often call one another when one of our friends in the business passed away. Um, If I would find out first, I'd call him. Of course, he would call me if if he found out the news first. Um, and you know, this was the days before the internet and everything here, you're hearing things five seconds after it happened. Um, so during the course of a conversation, Tim once asked me, you know, well, I'm not going to be around forever. 
are you going to be here to write my obit? Because he always talked about um, how much he, he really liked my style of writing and how I treated the business with respect. And, and uh, you know, the columns I wrote when, when these wrestlers did pass away, he said, who's going to write mine? Mike, are you going to be around to do it? I hope so. And I said, well, Tim, we're not going to go that far. You know, hopefully I'll never have to do it. But if the time comes, yes, I, I will be honored to. So unfortunately, you know, some years later, Tim passed away at relatively early age. I think Tim was like in his late sixties. Um, and then, you know, years passed and had a few other guys say, man, you know, you really do a good job. You really put a personal touch on, on these tributes. Um, and, uh, when it came from time for me to retire three years ago, uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to continue writing this column, you know, I'd been doing it a long time and even though I loved it, uh, retirement's retirement. And, you know, I felt like I probably needed a break. I thought long and hard about it. And what I told Tim and a few other guys along the way, um, you know, I almost felt a sense of obligation to continue writing this column for, for that reason, uh, specifically. Um, and I thought, you know, what, what a neat thing it would be to, uh, look at some of my best columns over the years, uh, and do a, do a compilation of, of those columns. Um, I went to the, uh, the publisher, um, and the publisher was part of the evening post industries, which, uh, is the parent name for the, um, the, the newspaper that I wrote for. So I said, you know, this is really going to be a neat thing. And what, what happened was basically for me, it was a labor of love. Um, the chance to really bring these sung and unsung giants of the ring to life. One again on the, on the pages of a book. The thing is I wanted to write the, I wanted to, um, compiled these columns in its entirety. You know, over the years, some of the columns were cut and some weren't even online. So this is the entire column. They tell the story of people who were larger than life. These people were like you and me. They were everyday people uh, in most ways, but, you know, they they had a particular business, professional wrestling, which the show must go on. And many of the guys that I wrote about were back in the territory from the territory days where 365 days a year on the road, uh, wasn't uh, a rarity. Um, you know, we've got bios of good guys and gals, bad guys and folks behind the scenes who made the magic happen. And it really is basically an anthology of people's stories. Um, just simply not your everyday regular people. You know, these were extraordinary people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm honored to, uh, I'm honored to sort of bring them back to life. So people of this generation can learn more about them. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring in the grizzled vet, Mike uh, McCurdy, and uh, for to the conversation. I know he has uh, plenty of questions uh, about uh, your book. We are talking with Mike Mooneyham, author of the latest his latest book called Final Bell: Legends of the Matt Remembered. Some great uh, stars uh, he pays tribute to. Uh, he said it's a collection of uh, some of his tribute columns that he's written through the years. I'm going to bring it over to you, Mike McCurdy, down in Texas. Uh, I'm going to let you go here and talk with Mr. Mooneyham. Okay. Well, thank you. Yes, I do have a, a few questions. Um, one question I'd like to ask, and this is because this is for my historian aspect. I love reading the tributes and all that, the ones you've written, uh, you know, Dave Meltzer, when he does his tributes. I collect as many of those as I can because they're a good piece of history and a way to remember these people. But what I'd like to know is when you started this and you were going back and you're looking through the columns, what were you looking for as is to who to include in this book, because over the years, obviously, you've written many tributes over the time. And I'm just curious, you know, what was the process of who to focus on and who to feature, you know, and are there some that, you know, you wanted to, but just weren't able to? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, Originally, I had about um, a little more than 60 people that I wanted to, uh, to put in the book. Um, we had to cut it down over process. We had to cut it down to about 40 and then the final count was 37, but I did, I did want to divide it into, um, different categories. I didn't want to get too, um, lopsided on one side over the other. So, um, several of us had to get together and figure what kind of, uh, how we were going to divide this up. And we, we came, we concluded that we needed to have one category of, of champions and then another category of maybe, you know, true originals and then underrated people who were, you know, great. And, and, but we felt they were underrated as far as the business was concerned. Um, one of my favorite categories was mid Atlantic mainstays and stars, you know, going up here in the Carolinas, uh, we've got a lot of great talent, uh, had come through this territory over the years. And, um, that's one of my favorites. And then we, we had a category called brain trust, which covered the, um, you know, the promoters, the people behind the scenes, the managers, uh, the announcers, all part of the creative process. So those were the five categories. And as far as the people who, who were included in this book, we had to make some cuts and, you know, I wasn't happy about all the cuts we made. I thought some guys should have been included, but for the purpose of the book and, you know, appealing to the mainstream, not just old school fans, but, you know, newer fans of the business. Um, And we had 37, I think they'll 37, but I also made the point, look, you know, there's some I really wanted to get in here and and there's a possibility that we'll have a, a final bell too. And, uh, you know, sadly, these people are gone, but uh, like I said, I wanted to honor them. And, and if there's a second book, there's, there's, uh, there's plenty of people we can include in that one as well. Now, going back through your columns and picking those and, you know, you're rereading these. I'm sure some of these you haven't read in years. What was it like going back to, you know, reread these and just remember these people as you were putting together this book? Oh man, it was, uh, you know, I can, I can tell you for sure. It was very painful writing these initially and it was almost equally as painful to, to go back over them because these were 
Although the although these were my hard, you know, at one point we were talking. The question was posed: well, Why don't we do a, a collection of your greatest columns? And I'm thinking, well, probably my greatest columns, but even the most well received columns have been my tributes. And uh, instead of just going through and picking a list of my greatest, why don't we take a, a list of the the greatest tribute columns that I had written? Um, they had always been the toughest, uh, at least emotionally, for me to write, um, because in many ways I was saying goodbye to these people, most of whom were friends. Some were very good friends. I never made these, uh, you know, when I when I wrote these columns, it wasn't. I didn't want to make people sad, but I wanted to celebrate their lives and careers. I mean, these were people who had overcome odds. These were people who had families and brothers and sisters. These were real people behind the the wrestling persona. So I wanted it to be more of a celebration. And, you know, when you look at the body, uh, body of the book, I think that's what a reader would come, come away with. You know, this is a celebration of of these grand men and women who live by the credo that the the show must go on, and uh, it's it, it's just a tribute a tribute to them. And like I said, it was for me it was a labor of love. So when you first started working on it, you you've come up, you've got your layout here. You're starting to pick these calls. Who were some of the ones that you know the first ones you picked that you said this has to go in, and, and why? Well. Um, you know, being an old school guy, there's no way I wasn't going to uh, include guys like uh, Luthez, Jack Briscoe, Bruno Sammartino. You know, these were these were guys that were the fabric of the wrestling industry over these many years. But and I also looked at you know, well, we got some guys who can never be replicated in any other business than, and will these, these guys are true originals. And when I say that, I thought of guys like, uh, Johnny Valentine, Wahoo McDaniel, uh, Roddy Piper, uh, you know, even Sputnik Monroe. Uh, not everybody will, uh, at least current fans will remember Sputnik Monroe, but if there ever was a true original, you know, Sputnik was it. Um, uh, and you know my my love of mid Atlantic wrestling. There were so many guys, and uh, we could only get so many in. But um, you know, people that I knew and 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 were friends, and you know, really meant so much to me as a as a young guy coming through the wrestling business. People like Johnny Weaver, and of course Tim Tim Woods, um, Rip Hawkins, Swede Hanson. Uh, George and Sandy Scott, you know, those were, those were some of my, you know, my childhood heroes. Um, and then there were guys that really were not household names by any stretch, but people who, who really represented uh, a big part of the profession. Um, they were people who overcame, you know, like one of my best friends in the business for forever uh, a guy named Burhead Jones, you know, Burhead wasn't a, a household name, but, uh, you know, such an overcomer, you know, Bur- Burhead grew up in the, uh, he worked in the cotton fields of Berkeley County here in, uh, the low country of South Carolina. He worked his way up, you know, went to New York as a young guy, 
trained in, in, in the wrestling ring and became a professional wrestler. It was his, his dream, you know, made it to the big city. And just one of the, one of the nicest, most colorful guys I've ever met. And Burr had passed away a couple of years ago, but I still think about him every day. You know, he was, he was such a, a, a good friend over the years. And I certainly, uh, one of the, and speaking of Burr, and one of the, one of the best and longest stories I've ever done for the newspaper was a full feature on Burrhead, and this is probably 15 or 20 years ago, but um, it was on the, in the on the front page of our Sunday newspaper, covered the half a front page, two wide open pages inside the paper, and it was it was a, a, a really really good look at someone who you know truly represented what it it took to overcome and grew up in the racially segregated South and you know. It was just, it was really, it was, it was a great piece, and the, the subject made the piece, not my writing, but the subject absolutely made that piece. Burrhead Jones was feature, is featured in this book, as well as uh, a guy who, uh, one of the first guys I ever met in the wrestling business, because he was a promoter in Charleston and uh, Columbia and areas down here for almost half a century, his name was Henry Marcus. He was a promoter extraordinaire, you know. He's a, he's a guy that told me stories years ago of riding the trains with guys like uh, Joe Lewis and Rocky Marciano and, uh, you know, all of the old stories that just, uh, you know, tremendous. And I, I gained a lot of knowledge from him early on, and he was such an important part in my life as well. So there's, uh, there's a chapter on Henry Marcus. I'd be remiss not to include famous announcers that were friends and who have chapters in this book, uh, Gordon Soley, uh, Lance Russell. Yeah. So, you know, we tried to, we tried to do a cross section, but, um, uh, all of these guys were more than deserving. And, you know, it makes, it, it really makes for good reading. I mean, I, I, when I read these columns, some I hadn't you know, read in years since I've written them, it really brought back another flood of memories and to have this in one book, I think, I really think people will enjoy reading this. You know, you don't have to be an old fan. You don't have to be a new fan. You just have to like good people's stories. And I think that's what it is. It's an anthology of, of good people's stories. I know I'm looking forward to uh, getting my copy of it. I ordered it a few weeks ago. I'm looking forward to it. Cause just some of the names you just mentioned, Sputnik, Murrow, Burhead Jones, you know, by the wrestling standards, I'm kind of a younger guy. I'm only in my 40s, but I know these names yeah. just from yeah. studying the history of it. I mean, I love the history of it. And yeah. over a year, the span of your career, you know, you're talking 40 years with the newspaper, 30 years of your column. You know, mm. it's gone through such an evolution of how we cover these people and how they're remembered. You, first, you had the, you know, the magazines. You had, like, Boxing Review, and they would have the few wrestling articles in it. Eventually, that goes into the aftermags. Then, as time goes on, there was just a flood of wrestling magazines. I remember going as a kid, getting to go to the, the, the local store and buy, like, 15 different magazines a month. And I would go home with a stack. That's what I did with my uh, allowance was buy these magazines. But then it rolled more into um, the autobiography started coming out. Mick Foley released, you know, Have a Nice Day, and those books started coming out. Then we rolled over. Now we're, into, now we're kind of into the podcast genre and everybody's got a podcast where everybody can remember these people um looking back on it you know 
what do you think of the, just kind of the whole evolution of it? Because now there's more ways for these people to be remembered, and honestly, for you know your columns to be seen. Because I can go on to Post and Courier and read your stuff online as well. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, I started like you did. I started reading the magazines at the at the newsstands, and what a, what a treat that was to go in one of the uh, old school newsstands and and see a wrestling magazine that just you know hot off the press and color and everything. Cause you know, it was pretty much of a black and black and white world back then. And to just see these colorful photos gracing the pages of these magazines, like wrestling review and wrestling, Pro and wrestling illustrated and wrestling world inside wrestling. You know, I mean, it was just, wow, this is, this is really neat. So, um, you know, I, I start, I had a fan club back in the day called championship wrestling fan club and I had correspondents all over the country so I was well aware of what was going on in all the different territories. And, you know, it was a little, it was a little, certainly it was kayfabe back then, but, you know, I would, uh, I wasn't above posting the real names of certain guys or guys behind the mask. You know, it was, it was a lot of fun. Gosh, you, you fast forward to the internet and social media and now you hear everything, you know, when it happens, you, you, you read about it 10 seconds later. It's amazing. Back then, it, it might take a month till the next wrestling magazine came out. And a lot of that was, you know, it was kayfabe stuff. So um, it, it's just amazing how this business has evolved in so many ways. You know, I don't know if it's good or bad. There's some parts about it I like. There's other parts about it I don't like. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, you talk about, you know, the magazines, it would take like a month or so to get um, Right now, currently, there's a show on Viceland. It's called Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, I've seen two episodes of it. And one of the episodes is out is uh, Bruiser Brody. And a, any wrestling fan who's worth their salt, they know Bruiser Brody. They know his story. They know what happened. But yeah. I first learned about Brody's death when it was published in one of the magazines. But this is probably, like you said, two to three weeks, maybe a month or so after the fact. That's how I first learned about it. Because it wasn't covered in, you know, the national newspapers as much and all that. So, like you said, it's a new way to learn. You know, nowadays, some of that happens. Like you said, boom, you hear about it two seconds after it happens. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, you used to get the news. Uh, if you subscribe to wrestling newsletters, you, you'd get the news maybe a week later or, you know, but, um, with the internet and now social media, it's crazy. And it, in a way, I, you know, what's hard is finding out if some, you know, something really bad happens or if a wrestler passes away, you know, you kind of, you kind of, you're kind of shocked when you just click a button and then you see this name pop up on your screen and you say, what sort of a hard way to find out things. Well, yeah, unfortunately I've found out about a lot of the, passings of guys through uh you know just going on to the internet just see what's happening you know and you see about you know eddie guerrero eddie guerrero was one that's how i learned about it i read about it on the internet and it hit hard just a few weeks ago we were doing glenn and i were doing an interview with um, johnny fairplay and during that interview i had gotten cut off for by total accident and during that time i happened to be just thumbing through social media waiting to get connected back in and I found out about the passing of a true legend in the sport, and that would be the destroyer, Dick Meyer. But I found out about it just shortly after, because his son posted through social media, and just the flood of people 
with their stories of the destroyer and remembering the destroyer. And these are just some of the more recent ones we've lost the destroyer, Oakland, just so many. And we're now able to pay tribute to them, not just in your column or in a book, but online, social media, you know, blogs, podcasts. However, it's a new way to pay tribute to these people in a new way for these people to be remembered. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, you know, otherwise it, it would take a month or so before we'd even learn about it, if that. Um, yeah, it's a whole new world in many respects. That's for sure. Now, you talked briefly, you said uh, a collection of your greatest columns is how you had first started looking at this book and you want to do the tributes. Is there a chance down the road, you know, you might put together that book of some of your, you know, your greatest columns? Because, you know, I've read a lot of them and they're not all, not all tributes, you know, they're no. got great stories of, you know, current people are still going now. Is there a chance we might see that, you know, collection of the, the best columns? Yeah. Yeah. There's a possibility. Um, like I said, I definitely wanted to do this first, you know, I, because to me, these are my, uh, these, I want these people to be remembered, but yeah, there's a good chance. I've got a lot of columns to go through, you know, 30 years. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty long uh, range, so definitely. All right, well, I'm going to bring Glenn back in. Uh, Glenn, I'm sure you got a couple more questions for our guest. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for letting me back into the conversation. We are talking with Mike Mooneyham, author of Final Bell, here on this edition of Wrestling Memories Then and Now. And it's a collection of uh, his remembrances of some of our fallen wrestlers who went up to the great ring in the sky. But one of the things I want to ask you, Mike, is because uh, your column went well into through the eight, 1980s and through a lot of the sea changes of pro wrestling and how we look at pro wrestling. I want to talk about uh, the time, I guess it's considered a tragedy for some of the old school followers, was ultimately uh, what resulted in, in expansion and getting beyond the territories, was not just the territories dying off, but the inevitable death of kayfabe. Now, what do you remember as far as the, how you covered it and, and, and how kayfabe was, the fall of kayfabe, how that affected you in relation to what you were putting out in your column uh, in, in the 19, late 1980s and into the early 90s when pretty much the, the rabbit was out of the hat? Yeah, when, uh, when my first columns appeared in 1989, it was pretty much, yeah, the rabbit was out of the hat. But I had always, um, I had always written about this, the stories of real people. You know, I didn't, I didn't write about storylines. I didn't write about angles or what you saw on TV. I wrote about the people. So when I wrote about them, it was their real names and um, uh, and you know, I wasn't really exposing anything that wasn't hadn't already been exposed. I don't know. I don't know that there would have been a place for a professional wrestling column, you know, say in, in previous years, because it was not, I think the, the national expansion and the mainstream, um, exposure of, of professional wrestling it became more palatable for uh, somebody like me to actually write a column in a, in a, uh, in a, in a major daily newspaper before then. I, I don't know. I don't know if it ever, if that would have ever happened. 
Mm-hmm. It just kind of was brought to my attention because I had recently uh, read uh, Sal Carrente uh, had went back and worked with Bruno San Martino and kind of regrooved uh, Bruno's autobiography. But that when it was out, Bruno was still very much guarded as far as uh, keeping it to a, a kayfabe to a degree when it came to his wrestling business. But in this book, yeah. over the years before Bruno passed, and thankfully Sal was able to get in and work with Bruno on this book and kind of shift the gears a little bit on on the focus of the book, it really turned out to be uh, just just a wonderful overall look of his life. But again, talk about it—you know—a difference between his initial autobiography release and when Sal and him got to work and, and kind of put things together and kind of remastered it and put it in their own way, sort of thing. Yeah, none of the guys would ever would have ever exposed the business. Uh uh, for print, you know, back then. So no, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Um, because I would have had no corporate cooperation. And furthermore, I wouldn't have ever put anybody on the spot. I wouldn't have tried to ex- expose the business in any way back then. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons when you're, when you, um, obviously I gained trust of a lot of good people early on, and I would never betray them or the business in any way. So, no, I, I, I wouldn't have ever pulled any kind of rabbit out of a hat. No. I, I want to talk about, uh, you know, you, you not only the people that you cover in your book, but you, you also uh, got a couple of uh, big-time guys uh, to help uh, put out your foreword, to, to write a foreword for you, uh, one of which, of course, is Jim Ross, and another guy who I think, thanks to a lot of podcasts and all of these books that have come out through the years, people are kind of getting to know this guy and just how much of a contribution he has made to the pro wrestling business, whether it be by training, or doing announcing work, behind-the-scenes work, and wrestling. I'm talking about Les Thatcher. I mean, Talk about a guy that I, I guess if you want to talk about uh, that post kayfabe uh, po- now podcast pro wrestling world for the historians and the like and the fans alike, a guy that's really benefited, I think is is really Les Thatcher as far as getting some long overdue awareness. Oh, there's no better guy than Les Thatcher. There really isn't. I mean, Les is such a uh, uh, he's done so much, and there's really nothing Les hasn't done in the wrestling business. You know, wrestler, trainer photographer, writer, um, you name it, Les has done it. And Les and I have been friends for many years. I was honored for him to, to write one of the forewords. And, and you're right, Les is probably, you know, well, Les is probably is better known now than he was when he was, when he was a wrestler. And that goes back many, many years. He, he knows so much about that. I respect Les. He, he knows so much about the business. He has helped so many people in the business. Yeah, I had I had to get Les to 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 write the forward, and you know, same with Jim Jim Ross. Jim has been a friend for many years. So I was honored to have him write a forward, and uh, really humbled by the words he he wrote. And Jim, again, there's another guy still in the game. I mean, just recently he wrapped up uh, another stint with World Wrestling Entertainment, and now all of a sudden. You know, it didn't take long for him to get off the free agent market now with the, probably one of the hottest uh, three letters in the business these days, at least as far as uh, generating hype and buzz, the A-Dub, you know, all, all elite wrestling, AEW. Let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, that that's pretty impressive. I mean, considering, you know, a lot of people probably would have wanted old JR to go. I mean, I bet JR at times probably would have wanted to take a little bit of a, retri- take a retirement run. But no, no, no. It seems like he's uh, just as vital and just as vibrant here in 2019 as we're speaking today, thanks to, you know, keeping his uh, legacy going and getting deals with yeah. these relevant companies. Yeah. Jim is as relevant as anybody in the wrestling business. Um, he, he's a survivor and he adds so much, you know, 
if there's anything, if there's one thing that I really miss about the WWE broadcast today, it's Jim Ross. He just added so much to uh, to the product, to uh, to the to WWE in general. Uh, his voice is sort of the soundtrack of the you know this generation of professional wrestling, and to have him uh, maybe re-energized and and coming back to a major promotion, which hopefully AEW will will pro- succeed and prosper. You know that's that's a great thing for that's a great thing for wrestling fans. Uh, I can't wait to hear him behind the mic again because. He, you know, he adds as, as much to the product as the stars inside the ring. Um, so, yeah, Jim, Jim is an invaluable uh, commodity to the wrestling business. I mean, he is definitely, like we said, the buzz is there and he's around the buzz. I mean, what are your thoughts, I mean, about this 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 upstart company that has uh, some pretty solid funding, has a, a lot of great guys uh, already signed up and, and a part of this movement. Uh, what are your thoughts about this uh, AEW thing? Uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to ask you, Doug, well, how long do you think it's going to last? But what do you think about this project going forward and uh, on some of the stuff that you've seen already from it? I mean, from all of your years of watching the sea changes of the territory days uh, morphing into to now kind of this rise of the indies of the last five to ten years of uh, what do you think about this this AEW situation now personally well personally i think i i am hopeful you know i am cautiously optimistic having seen promotions come and go over the years uh you know namely tna um you know, i don't want to get too excited about it but i think i think they're doing it it very slowly, which is a good thing. I think they're getting all their ducks in a row. And I think there are some really good people behind it. Certainly the financial backing is there, which uh, in no way ensures its success. But I think there there's a good core group of uh, people who know about the business and who knows, knows what it takes to bring people to the uh, building. Um, I think they have that going. I think that's an advantage for them right now. It's, it's, it's a jungle out there. And, you know, I, I, I really don't know. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic because I think there's a, a good group behind this promotion. And with people like Jim Ross as an, as their announcer, um, that's a great thing. So, uh, like I said, very slow, but step by step. And I, I'm just hoping, I mean, the more, the merrier I, I'm hoping it's a success and I'm hoping they will be maybe not a, uh, you know, a competitor to WWE. I think they should carve their own little niche, but I, I think there's going to, I think there's definitely a place in pro in pro wrestling for an organization like AEW. And according to the strong buzz we've been hearing as of this recording, I think uh, they're going to help to bring back, I'm hoping I'm really crossing my fingers on this, Mike, the, to bring yeah. back uh you know, back into our, our minds again, into our mindsets, and even in the DVR era, 6.05. Yeah, how about that? Maybe Saturday at 6.05, a little nod to the old TBS and uh, days of Georgia Championship Wrestling. Yeah, I'm hearing the same thing. Wouldn't, now that, that, that would be cool. That would be very cool. 
Only time will tell, I guess, when we move on from this point uh, with yeah, these yeah. guys. Exactly. I'm going to bring uh, the Grizzle Vet back in because we're talking about uh, uh, alternatives to, to world wrestling entertainment. And Mike is uh, down in Texas where there's uh, quite a bit of uh, buzz with the indie scene down there. And Mike definitely has some good insight uh, down into the, the area where he is living about the, some of the great wrestling that is going on down there. Mike, I'm going to bring you back into the conversation here on Wrestling Memories Then and Now with our guest, Mike Mooneyham, author of Final Bell. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, like you said, Glenn, there is a, it's a huge indie scene down here in Texas. Um, just so many groups on the side. I mean, there's a choice. Some Saturdays you have a chance of like three or four different groups that you can see at one time. But one thing I'd like to ask Mike and get his kind of opinion on it is, um, as of this recording, there were just a few days out of WrestleMania and you look at, you know, what happened that we, we all know seven and a half hours of WrestleMania on top of, your Raw, your SmackDown, your Hall of Fame, the TakeOver, you've got the NBC and all that. Is there a point, do you see it right now that maybe there's almost too much of going going on right now with just everything available? You know, uh, Jared has a new Roku channel of Classic Wrestling. There's the network. You have, like I said, the eight hours of WrestleMania, all the shows, AEW's coming in. You've got this huge burgeoning indie scene is there almost maybe too much options right now or too much product going on at this time? Well, it's definitely an oversaturation of the product. Uh, I guess is how you look at it. You know, it's too, at, at my age, it's certainly too much for me. I couldn't. There's no way I could, could cover all of this, uh, you know, all these different promotions. But I guess if you're a fan, you know, it's like being in a, in a candy store. You can, you can choose and pick whatever you like to see. Um, I don't think everything's going to be successful because there, there is too much. And, you know, there's only so much to, uh, you know, so many dollars to spend on the wrestling product to each his own. I, I think there's certain, certain promotions and certain types of wrestling that cater to different types of wrestling fans. Um, but like I said, I, I certainly couldn't cover it all. It, it, it is too much. Well, there's another thing right there. Um, we, we mentioned this a little bit ago, the advent of social media, the internet and everything. Um, I mentioned podcasts and a lot of your top stars have podcasts. A lot of, you know, other sports industry stars have podcasts. I'm sure you've been yeah. a guest on many. Um, so much of that, I mean, so much product to cover and so many shows and podcasts that can cover it. Is there almost just maybe to the point of there's so much that you can't get all the information because there's so many things to choose from that maybe you're going to miss something. I mean, I kind of see that yeah, kind of a negative as well. Yeah. Th there's not enough time in the day, time in the day to, to watch all of this stuff or listen to all of this stuff. I mean, every, every week there seems to be, you know, 10, 20 new podcasts pop up on the, on the scene everybody uh, so many independent promotions and oh you know i came up look when i first started watching wrestling we were lucky to get one hour a week you know there were no podcasts there were no uh, independent promotions there was there was one show a week one hour and if you were lucky and lived in a town you might see wrestling once once a week at, at your local arena and to me and back then that was plenty 
I really don't see how the people do it today. I mean, I know people that, uh, you know, they have the network, they follow Japan and Mexico and every little independent promotion that comes through. To me, that's, uh, as much as I love wrestling, that's, you know, and this is me personally, I, I, it, it would be entirely too much for me. You know, in your book, you, know, you talk about, you know, you, these are tributes to people we've lost. And we've talked about today how, you know, we are able to pay tribute to so many, you know, people nowadays. But on the other side of it, we see maybe a, a, a negative side, maybe a darker side of it. And that, unfortunately, people seem to feed into just about as much. You know, like, for example, yeah. we'll use Sunny for an example because her name has come up again. Maybe people know too much about what's going on with someone's life because of all the coverage that's available. And do you think as time goes on, say when their career ends or they pass on, do you think that maybe more of the negative is going to be remembered than the positive? You know, I, I hate to say it, but, I mean, the world has changed. And that applies to wrestling, too, and the fans that watch it. I'm afraid that, you know, people coming up today, they're not going to be remembered as well as, like, some of the people in my book because their whole lives are, are thrown out, you know, in front of the public every single day. And the people from, from my generation... Can you imagine if we had social media and that kind of stuff back then? I Sadly, I don't think these people would be so, many of these folks would be so fondly remembered. And, that, and that's really sad, and I, that's a great question, because I am concerned about the legacy, some of these current wrestling stars, you know, what kind of legacy they're going to have. Because every day you see stuff, you know, hey, guess what this person did, or some of it's true, some of it's not. You can't believe everything you read. But, you know, I knew I can speak to the people I wrote about in the book. Most of these people I knew personally, most were, many were very good friends. And they didn't lead perfect lives, but nobody leads a perfect life. They all had their, you know, they all had blemishes and imperfections. But for this, the purpose of this book and the, for purpose of remembering these people uh, as I knew them, you know, I didn't harp on that. Um, these are people who, who I respected, who I loved, and I, I didn't have time to, to dissect their lives. Uh, that's, not my, that's not my bag. Now, a question has been brought up to me before, and I'm going to ask you this one. Um, you know, through your columns and everything, you know, obviously – you are considered up there as one of the historians along with, you know, many of the other guys that we know of Scott Teal, Mark James, just the list goes on and on. What do you think in this day and age is the role of the historian in wrestling? Well, I think the role is to accurately describe the past as they saw it. Um, as I was saying, you know, we, uh, we, we look at their lives from the basis of, of, of things that happened at that particular time. I'm not looking back and, and judging things that happened, you know, 40, 50, 60 years ago. They were who they were at, at that particular time, period in time. And um, I think it's our jobs to, as accurately as we can, reflect uh, their importance to the business, the lives they led, and, and what other, you know, contemporaries and peers uh, thought of them and, and that's what I try to do. Who would have thought we would ever 
be able to um, find out as many things about, you know, had it not been for people like you mentioned, um, I'm just afraid the past would be forgotten. And guys like that have actually, have actually kind of revived career, revived the memories of, of, of these past stars. And to me, that's, that's a great thing. And like I said, that's, one of the reasons I put this book out, I, I, I always want these people remembered. I never want to forget them, and that goes for the new generation of fans as well. I want to expose them to, to, uh, to maybe uh, an era that they weren't uh, completely familiar with. Now, we're going into, uh, we're about mid-April now, we're going into it. Cauliflower Alley Club has their annual reunion coming up uh, end of the month. Also, the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame here in Wichita Falls, Texas, is doing their Hall of Fame induction. What do you see their role? And you know, is it, are these groups that you're actively, you know, participate with? And what do you see as their role? Is this because, like I said, it's an annual thing every year, and these are events that people look forward to, and it's yeah. another way that people are being remembered. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it. I mean, that's uh, to have halls of fame that honor the stars of the past. Uh, that's perpetuating their memory and their legend and their legacies. Uh, I'm all for it. The Halls of Fame, the Wichita Falls, Waterloo, Iowa, Cauliflower Alley Club, um, wonderful organizations. Yeah, it gives these former stars a chance to maybe, you know, have, a, have another bow and be exposed to the fans of today. And I think it's a, it's a, plus, it's a plus for both sides. I can agree with that. It's also a chance for young up-and-comers to learn from some of these guys that are still around, you know, and a way to pass that on, and hopefully maybe they'll kind of continue what, you know, the the pioneers were doing. They can continue it on now into the indie scene and further on. So, you know, I look forward to it. I'm going to be at the uh, Hall of Fame in Wichita Falls, but I'm going to pass the mic back over to Glenn. I'm sure we're getting close to the end of our hour. Unfortunately, time goes by way too fast on Wrestling Memories. (laughs) Okay, Mike. It always does, you know. It really, truly does. And uh, we have just a little bit of time uh, here uh, so we can get, uh, well, we've had so much uh, fun here with you, Mike. Now we got to get you to put on the old promoter's cap. you got to promote this book a little bit more. We're going to give you a little okay. bit of time to promote the book, promote yourself, where we can find you, right. and where you can get this book. Do it. The floor is yours, my friend. Okay. Um, the book is out. It's available. I had book launch last night. went very well. Um, you can, you can go to eveningpostbooks.com. Uh, that's the publisher and you'll find my book listed. Uh, you can order it right off the website. Um, I think it's, uh, on Barnes and Noble as well. Um, if, but if you go to eveningpostbooks.com, there's a little place in there during the checkout process that if you want an autographed copy or personally inscribed copy, um, be glad to do that. That option is there. Uh, it's not on Amazon yet. It probably will be, I think they said maybe next month it'll, it'll pop up on Amazon as well. I have an active Facebook page, Mike Mooneyham, the one in Charleston. I regularly post wrestling news and, you know, little tidbits and every sometime where I'm eating a really nice meal yes. pop up on there as well. Uh, there's a lot of information about the book with links. Also on Twitter at by Mike Mooneyham, same deal there. Also on Instagram. And if you want to read my column every Sunday in the Posting Courier, postingcourier.com, uh, my column usually appears online early Saturday. 
uh, postingcourier.com and in print here in Charleston on Sundays. Uh, and, you know, you keep up w- with me on social media, you'll, you'll find out everything you need to know. Absolutely. And uh, I have to ask, you know, I got to make, I got to order this book finally, but instead of an autograph, can you just put on the one empty blank side of the page, a list of your, uh, just restaurants you got to get to before you die sort of thing for me, or maybe some of the best meals you've ever eaten, because I'm a food guy too, as much as I'm a wrestling guy. Well, that might take another book. Maybe, maybe munching with Mike or something like that. Yeah, that'll, that'd take like, uh, yeah, that'd be at least half a book right there, but just send me a personal note and I'll try to. I'll try to give you the latest and greatest anyway. Oh, that would be most, most kind of uh, for, for you to do that <laughs> to me, my friend. Uh, I want to thank, of course, uh, Mike Mooneyham, our guest. The book is Final Bell, Legends of the Matt Remembered, for coming on the program. Also, I want to thank you, um, the Grizzle Vet, Mike McCurdy, for the Mike and Mike connection. I'm Glenn Broggett. You've been listening to Rasslin' Memories Then and Now.